Café Fuerte, uh, episode 2.5. Um, we have Jose of the infamous and legendary uh, Apartment 78, and then some. Um, I'm Amy. Um, got Nick on the line. Nick? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> all right. What's up, y'all? <laughs> Hi, ladies. Hey. Hola, hola. So we usually right, start all, right. all of our we start all of our podcasts by asking, oh, "How do you like your coffee?" Um, oh. actually, oh, you you asking me or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm an espresso drinker, no sugar, strong, dark Damn. as possible, and I dark do about <laughs> yeah, I do about. Yeah, yeah, I do about three or four espressos a day, so. What? Yeah. Wait, what I don't time do you go to sleep? It. I don't sleep. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, my, my schedule varies so much. It's like, mm-hmm. I try to get in at least a solid three to four hours a night, but it changes. I could be going to bed at, put it like this, last night I went to bed at 5.30 in the morning, and I was up mm-hmm. at 10, 15 today. Wow. So How long have you been body, doing that? For a long, for too long, put it like that. Right. <laughs> I've been in nightlife. I've been in the life nightlife industry for a long time. I think that fucked me at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was tough because I was uh, I was doing nightlife and also working nine to five. So it'll be times I'll be getting home four or five in the morning to be up, you know, eight a.m. to be at work at night. Wow. You know what I mean? What was your day job um, at that point? Uh, when I came home from college, I was doing, I was at, uh, I was working for Ralph Lauren at Lord & Taylor. Ooh. Yeah, then I left uh, Lord & Taylor, and I was at Henry Bendel. Okay. Um, huh. yeah, I was at Henry Bendel. Yeah, I was at Henry Bendel as a personal stylist from 2001 to 2006. Damn. Okay, yeah, that's a five years in the industry. That's a, that's a very... Important yeah, time. yeah, yeah. I was there till about 2006. Then I went and, uh, well, while I was at Bendu's from like 2002, I, uh, I had uh, started an uh, independent record company. Uh, yeah, and I had, um, in 2006, I believe I had resigned from Bendu's to take on the production company actually uh, full time. So uh, I went hard with the production company for about 2006 to about 2008 I want to say so I went about two years unemployed just focusing on the production company but I was still also doing nightlife I was doing parties so I was still able to put money in my pocket um mm. at this point were you trying to balance a relationship or it was just you working putting your head down not worried too much about anything serious yeah no I wasn't really let me see 2000 nah yeah I wasn't really I wasn't really balancing no relationship. I mean, I was dating like a motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, the early 2000s was just, you know, I, I was dealing with the mother of my kids at the time. No, no, not even. That was 2008. Yeah, so now nah, I was still Diego. Like, I was all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, I, was, I, I, I didn't have time. You know, and, and a lot of times when I was dating and shit like that, like, I'll tell a lot of the, you know, young ladies and females what I was doing, and they would never believe me. And I'll be like, you know what? Come hang out with me. Come, come see how crazy my day is. Mm. And um, yeah, it, it, it never, it never really. Uh, not a separate at the time. Like I couldn't. 
I couldn't be in a relationship. It just wasn't. It wasn't. Wasn't it? But isn't it harder to be mujeriego instead? Like I don't see it. I feel like yeah, because the same because think it's about harder. what I what I was doing. Nah, because think about what I was doing. I was in nightlife. I was in fashion. So meeting women wasn't a problem. I'm surrounded by women all day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and and when you don't have that commitment. There's really nothing that I gotta um, that I'm restricted to really, or you know, there's nothing that I have to explain, or there's nothing that I really have to, you know. But you gotta maintain no, text messages or like dating right. people. Nah, like, <laughs> you know what? I always say you gotta worry about all that shit when you're lying. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? When you when yeah, when you're living by truth and all that shit, you ain't gotta worry about none of that. You know, what I, mean? I, I don't gotta keep up with with Joneses and my lies and shit. It is what it is, you know what I mean? So it wasn't hard. And, you know, and at the time, every young lady that I met, um, you know, I would always say, you know, I, I would never allow it to get too serious. I was one that, and even to this day, I have a hard time committing to shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so even in back then, it was a lot harder, like a lot harder. I, I wouldn't allow myself to fall into relationships and stuff like that because I knew that I had a, I had a, a, a end goal, you know what I mean? I didn't, want, I didn't want to deviate from that. So Right. And so what happened to the record company, and how did you transition into what you do now? So the music, um, you know what? When I invested the money, it was, a, it was a bad time, right? So it was about 2001 when I started, 2002. And it was at a time when the music industry didn't even know where they were heading, right? Because it mm-hmm. was uh, that transition. It's like the digital age. Yeah, it was the Wild and West. I remember It was that. the Wild West. So it was like, you know, I, I, we had an artist that was signed to for some time, an artist by the name of El Fudge, who had a deal, you know, at Short Shot Records over in Europe. So we, we weren't doing bad, and we were recording like a motherfucker. We were selling beats. We were doing a lot. But, mm-hmm. again, we were just caught up in that industry where um, we didn't know, we didn't know enough to uh to go the independent route fully, like not needing a record company. I wish I would have known then what I know now. We probably would have never relied on a record company or, or trying to get a deal. So our goal was to try to get deals, but make a long story short, we end up turning the company into a a website which became uh soundbox seventy eight dot com. I don't know. I mean it was it was probably one of the first like okay players like they should mm-hmm. we, we lost it like in 2005 and it was a site we're like oh, fuck it we're gonna do something independent let's turn this site into a, a a site where it's only catered to independent artists so whether it was fashion music art you know everything that we fucked with you know we were all we was always into fashion we was always into art uh my partner was a big sneakhead you know what i mean and we were hip-hop mm-hmm. we were hip-hop kids so it was easy for us to do but Again, caught up in that time when the internet wasn't really what it what it is now. Mm-hmm. We were we were um we were lost. Like we I remember we interviewed uh a lot of the artists that end up, you know, like Joel Ortiz, we interviewed like in two thousand four. Uh mm-hmm. an artist by the name of T D K. We interviewed Joe Budden like two thousand three, two thousand four when he was just starting to bubble. Um there was a couple of artists that we had interviewed early on. And um in two thousand six Seven, we had me and my partner um, Jimmy. We were like, "Yo, you know what? We're sitting on this bread." I end up blowing a whole bunch of bread 
prior, you know, when I had the, the full-time record company, I had blown, like, all my money. But I didn't give a fuck. Cause I was I was young, I was making a lot of money, and I was still living with my mother. So it was like, if I'm going to mm-hmm. blow this money, I'm going to get rid of this shit. I'm going to make all these mistakes while I still have a roof over my head and not so many bills and shit. And then um, in 2007, I ended up going, I had to go back to work. I had to go and I found a job at a pest control company as a sales rep at a pest control company. Like for that <laughs> Yeah, pest control. That's crazy. Yo, how was that? Yeah. That's a humbling experience. That. No, That's a humbling experience. It, it was crazy because I was like, I ran out of money. And I'm just like, fuck, I, I still got shit that I need to get done. All these businesses I'm trying to do. So I was like, yo, fuck, I got to get a full-time job. And I started working for Terminex. And Terminex was like, they interviewed me, and they were like, yo, we want to hire you, whatever, as a salesperson. I'm like, yo, what's the salary? And they were like, well, you can make about 100 k a year. I'm like, get the fuck out. I'm like, you serious? And they were like, yeah, well, this is our comp plan. So I ended up getting hired, and my first year, surely that I, I made $112,000 that year, I remember. That is insane. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then... <laughs> In 2008, I want to say going into 2009, no, I want to say 2000, yeah, so Term, I'm sorry. Term X was 2006. In 2007, I get a call. I don't know who the fuck submitted my resume to Cablevision. <laughs> so Cablevision. Cable so many turns, I love it. Yo, it's fucking crazy. So Cablevision calls me, called me in for an interview. They're like, yeah, we want to hire you as a salesperson. I'm like, all right, how much, how much money? You know, I'm, my shit was about money because I knew that the end goal was not to be working for nobody. I knew I wanted, I had shit to do. So I was trying to make as much money as possible. And I remember they called and they were like, yo, you know, this is, there's people that make $200,000 a year in this company, like easily. But I, meanwhile, I was still at the press control company. So I remember I was doing my taxes and I'm with my brother and I'm like, yo, dog, Cablevision just called me for a sales position. He was like, what you going to do? I'm like, yo, dog, I'm going to do both. He was like, how? That's illegal. You can't work two full-time jobs. I said, says who? It's sales. I don't got to be in office. Dog. I'm in the streets all day. He's like, yo, dog, you're going to go to jail, bro. And I'm like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I'm going to take, take on the Cablevision full-time job. So I was working Terminex and Cablevision full-time, and I was putting in about $220,000 a year. Like my first two years. And I'm literally it, speechless right now. Yeah, it was crazy. Like everybody in the hood, they thought that I was doing, moving so much drugs that they were like, yo, how the fuck is niggas getting all this money? And I was like, yo, dog. And then in 2007, I started doing taxes for H&R Block. Right. So I was, I was working three jobs. Yeah, I was working three jobs because I needed to get money to open up La Sala 78, which I opened up in 2007. And um, I remember I called my man and I'm like, yo, I got this money. I'm about $20,000 short. Give me the 20, and I'm going to make you 50%. I'm going to make you my partner. He was like, nigga, how? I'm only giving you 20000 I was like, nigga, don't worry about it. That $20,000 is what's going to help me open up this business. So he became my business partner, and I opened up a seven-day, which was my first storefront in 2007. That location was special to me because that location was the legendary music house on Dykeman Street. It's, um, now it's like a... Uh, a uh, it's right next to Cachapa. They do like uh, chimichurris and shit like that. It's like a chimichurri spot next to Cachapa. right on Dykeman Street. And that spot yeah, was the legendary yeah. music house. That music house was where Cutting Records were. Cutting Records, had, they, they fucking pressed mad vinyl. And they were like a, a record company. 
That's why I used to go buy all my shit. So I opened up a cafe there in 2007, and from there on, I just I never went back to work. I remember I resigned. I resigned from both jobs in 2009. So I was still. Okay, so you didn't cafe. get fired. You resigned. <laughs> I resigned. Yeah, I resigned. <laughs> so I resigned. <laughs> yeah, I resigned. I was like, yo, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm good. And it was, it was dope because they allowed me to have my business while working full time. Cablevision ended up finding out about Terminex, but Terminex never found out about Cable. But Cablevision was like, yo, we don't give a fuck. You put it in your numbers. You can do whatever the hell you want. What? So, yeah, but then in That's 2009, funny. it was just too much because then in 2000, 2009, uh, while I had that side of 78 is when I started planning a partner 78. And that's when I opened that up. What's, and, what's uh, the significance behind 78? Because you did the 78 at the end of the record company name and then all of the Yeah, 78, 78 was, uh, I had, when I was in college, I think I went to, I went to school for marketing and, um, for marketing and, uh, management. And I remember I wrote a paper and it was like the, the paper was about, uh, uh, strategic branding and, and grabbing a certain shit and making it yours. So I was like, when I did my presentation, I was like, damn, what's something that uh, people can identify me with or whatever? And I just fell in love with the number 78, but that's also the year that I was born. I was born in 78. So I just started using the number 78 on everything that I was doing. Um, like everything that I was doing, I was just stamping it with 78. So it was very easy for me to walk up to people or business meetings or meet people. Oh, I'm such and such from 78. They're like, oh, wait a minute. Whether you knew me or not or what I looked like, you still, you, you heard of the number 78 associated to whatever it is that I was trying to propose to you or whatever. So it was it was easier for me to move around um, having some, some kind of branding like that. So I, I stamped it with everything that I did. Um yeah, and it, and it kind of worked out. So I went from La Sala 78 to, well, from Soundbox 78 to La Sala 78 to then Apartment 78. And through um, all these 78 ventures, did you have different partners? It was always just you, and then you brought different no, it was, along. Yeah, so I didn't get partners until, like, full-time partners until um, I end up, my, me and my partner end up splitting up for La Sala. So I was a full-time owner of that. I was dodo there. Cause we uh we had split after like the first year or two. He was my he's my compadre to this day. He's my right hand guy. We, we love each other, but you know that that shit of friends and business that shit is like that shit is facts. Like that shit is it's tough. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of emotion that goes into business, and and one of the things that you don't want to be is in that emotional fucking space with your friends. You know what I mean? So right. we had to kind of like we kind of like we had to cut ties. Um, and then for uh, Apartment 78 was, I was uh, like an 80% owner of Apartment. And I brought in family members um, throughout the opening where they wanted to invest or whatever. But it had nothing to do with, you know, I was running everything. So it wasn't, what was the we concept of Sala 78 versus Apartment 78? was actually written by the Daily News. I think you could even still Google it. That shit was like the first uh, art gallery cafe in New York in 2007 mm-hmm. when it opened. So it was a small little cafe. It was it changed uptown. It was they said a lot of people say that was the first business uptown that kind of changed how the dynamics of uptown, right? So we were a small cafe that was doing a lot. Of, we were doing art, poetry. We were selling paninis, organic mm-hmm. food, uh, green juices. Yeah, it was all like health conscious, right? Because as Latinos, we eat fucking horrible. Um, and at that point, I was already a full time. Uh, uh, vegetarian. Wow. So I wanted to incorporate, 
you know, just healthy food in the community and shit. So, um, but that it was a bring, full-time art gallery. Right. That does bring us to our next question. Um, what's your favorite part of being Latino? My favorite part of being Latino? Um, I could be a, you know, I guess being Dominican. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite exactly. part of being Dominican? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? No, no. I think, you know what the thing about, like, for me, um, I think Latinos overall, we're humble, hardworking fucking people. And I think that shit is in our blood, no matter where you're from, right? Um, because of our history, where we come from. And we're so prideful, and I love that shit about us, right? Um, for me, for me, it's one of the struggles I've always had, right, with, with everything that I've done, um, whether it's community or while I was playing sports, I always think back and I always made sure people knew and understood that I was a Dominican from Latino parents. I was, you know, I'm the fucking Dominican American from Latino parents. And I was always prideful of just being, uh, you know, my father always said, Tú no aquí porque we needed uh, medical shit. You know what I mean? Like, we needed opportunity. Porque <laughs> Dominicano. You know what I mean? Even though you were born here. We needed here. somebody to hold them down here. Yeah, right? So me and my brother and shit, and he, we were just raised like that. Like, yo, no matter where you go, no matter, you always represent that you're Dominican, yeah, but that you're a Latino man. Like, you're, you're you know, always take pride in that shit. And I think, uh, I was taught at an early age, man, to, to just be prideful of where we come from, the struggles that we, right. you know, that we overcame and shit like that. And um, you know, you know who I, admi- who I, I really admire as, as, as a, especially as a Latino, looking at other, like I admire fucking um, like Mexicans, right? And, and sometimes <laughs> I think as Dominicans, I'm like, fuck, man, I wish that we were more like Mexicans. Mexicans have been in this country forever. And they're kind of like the Asians of the Latinos where they keep everything in-house, right? The way they, from their distribution to the import to the export to their foods. You're not going to meet too many Mexican-Americans that deviate from being Mexican. (laughs) It it doesn't happen like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure you've met Dominicans, Puerto Ricans, Cubans, Colombians, that they son más americano que tal. Like, you know what I mean? Like... Mm -hmm. Right. But you don't find that shit with Mexicans, and I love that shit. Like, that shit to me is like, which is why every time I'm, you know, with Mexicans or I'm having conversations, I try to dig deep into, like, the, their fucking household. Like, you know, you could let me sleep in your house for one day. Let me see how that shit is. You know what I mean? Because everything about them, like, is it, just, it, it's is amazing to me. You know what I'm saying? It's just fucking amazing. And I wish, sometimes I look back, I, I always wish, like, damn, I wish Dominicans we had more of that community. But then again, we do. You know, we do. Like, I'm big on, you know, and it's not me being uh, prejudiced or raised. Like, I'm big. Like, if I'm walking down the block and there's a a Habibi store on the corner and I know I got to walk an extra block to go to a Dominican store, then, yeah, I'm going to walk the extra block. Me too. Me too. Um, You know, I'm like that. That, That's just who I am. You know what I mean? That's the way. That's just how we're spending, though. That's just you being like, exactly. So, that's one of the things I'm always trying to, like, Tell young Latinos, like, your fam, yeah, you're going to go to Foot Locker and you're going to probably pay $20 less for those sneakers or those joints, whatever it is. My brother, we'll give it to the moms and pops and pay the extra $20, $30 because that shit is owned by your, by your own. That shit is owned by a Dominican. That's right. owned by a Puerto Rican. That's owned by a Cuban. That's owned by a Colombian. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So go, go invest it. You know, if I'm going to go spend money in coffee, I'm going to go to the bodega and pay a dollar and give me the worst coffee possible. I don't give a fuck. But <laughs> I'd rather give it to the bodega than go to Starbucks and pay 3 or $4. You know what I mean? Exactly. Right. Uh, yeah. Or five. Or five. How do you, yeah. I'm curious though, like how do you feel about how society views Dominican men? Like I feel like lately Dominican men have been the butt of certain jokes. And well, as that's social. Right. Yeah, that's, so, that's social media. You know what I'm saying? If you look at social mm-hmm. media, social media is, you know, it's a bunch of 85s and 90s, and it's, it's all everybody on social media. It's like I was just telling this to a, you know, one of my partners. Like, I I caught myself where I don't spend no time on social media anymore. I post and I leave mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I I found myself losing creativity. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, social media is dumb. It's nothing smart about social media. If you just, you know, I don't know if your parents ever told you, eh, tu quieres ser un, un presidente, then go find out a bunch of politicians to go hang out with, right? Mm-hmm. Or you want to sell drugs, then go hang out on the corner, then go hang out with the drug dealers. Well, you want to waste time, you want to stand on, like, social media for me is the new corner. You want to just hang out all day on the corner, just be on social media all day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, wow. there's, there's not much, like, there's not, if, I mean, obviously, if you know how to navigate through that shit, you can really find some gems through social media. But overall, that shit's an atraso. Like, you, you really set yourself back on social media. So for me, when I see um, jokes, going back to what you asked, seeing jokes on uh, a Dominican man or a Latino man or whatever, a man of color, whatever, whatever, especially by your own kind as jokes, that shit is, is, is like, um, it's setting us back. It's just setting us back. It's like, yo, how do you, right? Because if I'm a man that doesn't have any kind of education, you know, I, I'm not too smart of a man, whatever the case is, I'm on social media all day. And now I'm seeing a whole bunch of jokes on, let's say, Dominican man. I'm a Dominican man. And I don't have the smarts to overlook that. You don't think you're taking away some kind of confidence from that man? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You don't think that, you know, so to me, all those jokes and all that shit is like, that shit is corny to me. Like, men are men. It don't matter whether you're fucking Dominican, black, white, Jewish, Asian. It don't fucking matter. Like, if you if you have bad experience with a man that he cheated on you, well, motherfucker, I got Jewish billionaire friends that are fucking cheating on their wives with 10 other wives. You know what I mean? So yeah. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Just because you were hurt by a fucking Dominican man, don't, you know, uh, marginalize us. We the only fucking bad man that's out there. Man is man. You know what I mean? Do you think so, it's possible to be faithful in 2017? Like, as we were just talking about social media and, like, how distracting that shit could be. Because you could see a girl that's bad as fuck. Her personality could be trash. Like, when you meet her in real life, like, she's corny as fuck. But you see her online and her ass is fat and she's on a beach. And you're yeah, like, but it, it, and then it, you're it, in her DMs. It's all that cosa. Yeah, but if you go by bad, you always don't see something better than what you already have. Mm, you know what I'm saying? Grass is greener. You know, right. you, it's, you're always going to see a nicer car than what you drive in. You're always going to see better kicks than what you wear wearing. So I think with the man is a maturity thing is where your head is at and, and being self-conscious and, you know, and, and, and just having that, that inner strength. And, and, and you've got to be a man. You know what I'm you got to take pride in being a man. And a man is not one who's, and like I did with 20, 30 different women, the way I was when right. my early 20s and 19s like that shit ain't cool like I'm not gonna be teaching my son that 
I'm trying to break that cycle, my son. I I, I was like that because that's what I saw from my father, my uncles. But I don't. I'm not raising my son like that. So at some point, you know, it, it came. We we did. We learned being more Diego and shit like that from other men. Men mm. around. You just you just you're just not born like that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's taught. You see that. So it's important for us to be a man. You know, become a man and and at some point start breaking the cycle, right? So. She got I'm on Diego at 19, 20, 21. I was in the streets, clubs. Do you really want to raise your son the same way? You know what I mean? Well, how long right. did it take you to get to this place right now? To this well, this uh, I mean, for, you know, I learned at a certain age that first of all, I'm surrounded by the most amazing people, right? I don't, and my circle is very, very small. Where it's men that when we talk to each other is we're trying to uplift each other. Right, and mm-hmm. we've understood that if we're in a conversation of six, seven men, and all we're talking about is fucking and and, and women, and how do we grow? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do we become men? That's so I, I make sure I'm, I surround myself by the right people, people that have goals. Uh, they want to grow. They want to. They want. They want to do things. My me, my day to day is not. I'm not thinking about women. You know what I mean? I got goals. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I got I got goals. You know what I mean? Is that I, how you manage to stay focused? Is by not? It's like keeping your eyes on the prize. Yeah, like they, you know, that's that's what it should be. You you got to be that horse. You can't look to the side. You know what I'm saying? And you gotta you gotta learn from other people's mistakes, and you gotta learn from your own previous mistakes. You know, I made a lot of mistakes. You know what I mean? Um, where I hurt a lot of people, especially a lot of women. You know what I mean? I hurt a lot of women in my life. That shit ain't cool to me. You know what I'm saying? Especially. For the last seven years, you know what I'm saying? I got a daughter mm-hmm. as well. You know what I mean? I'm not, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I look at you. Nikki likes that one. You heard that? <laughs> yeah. Because well, my, my father was wild, and my father was wild, but this was before I, I like was it. So it's, it's just funny. Yeah, because, I think all our, all our fathers were. You don't realize that you actually create beasts, though, because, like, as a woman having a father like that, I don't trust niggas at all. Yo, I don't trust anyone. I saw my father be out the house. For two or three days, come back and be like, "Yo, you want to keep arguing?" Well, I was. They ain't. They weren't arguing. Ooh, you know what I'm no. <laughs> Yo, wow. That's a different type of argument. That's a whole Yo. other. <laughs> Yo, no you way. Know, listen, you ask the question about women bashing the men. Hey, it's for a reason. We got bashed too now. You know what I'm saying? We hey. we Caribbean men. Can we say that? Can we say that again? Can you please? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a reason. But you have to understand if you if you line up all the Caribbean men. Caribbean men are all the same. For real. No, it is. Some of my closest friends, like my my roommate in college, some of my closest friends are Jamaicans. And them motherfuckers are no different from Dominicans. Exactly. We just speak a different language. Caribbean man is Caribbean man. Puerto Ricans are no different than Dominicans. You know what I'm saying? Right. I literally literally just asked a friend of mine um, a little while ago, like, you know, uh, an an old friend, (laughs) an old flame. You know, you know, was I difficult to be with? And they were like, well, I wouldn't call it difficult. I'm like, so what would you call it? He's like, you're a Caribbean woman. But it comes with the territory. Like, the, right. life, the, the attitude is just part of your makeup. Like, and right. not, you know, for the faint of heart. So. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's, it's true. It's, but we like that you? shit. You know what I'm saying? Especially <laughs> we, we just do like that. I don't know why. We like that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, we like all that hard. We want to see our women feisty. We want to. You know what I'm saying? We that's the way we're raised. 
know what I'm saying? I remember I used to bring over a lot of my friends, you know, uh, uh, like so much Jamaican friends or even, you know, anybody that's not Jamaican, they damn, y'all fucking talk loud. That's not like y'all arguing. I'm like, nobody's fucking arguing, man. That's how we talk, man. You know what I'm saying? We're so fucking loud as people and shit. Like, loud and we talk fast. And we talk fast. Fast in the motherfucker. So, another question I had for you is, when did you know you were ready to become a father? Do you feel like you were ready when you first was born? No, I didn't know when I was ready to become a father. But I knew... That when I did become a father, I was going to be the dopest father ever and the best father I could mm. possibly be. So you were excited you know, when it happened. happened? You were like, yes. This is oh, happening. yeah, 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 for sure. A hundred percent. Hold up. But when were you excited? Was this like, was it that call or was it like at the doctor's office? Like how long did no. it take to scare you away? <laughs> nah. So, so I'm going I'm I'm to tell you how this shit happened and how mm-hmm. destiny is crazy because when I got the call, I was in the middle of a meeting to do a party at a club uptown, which was mm-hmm. Alka. Uh, so I'm there, and, I'm, and, you know, the mother of my kids, she's like, yo, uh, I need to talk to you. I need for you to meet me on Dykeman, like, ASAP. And I'm like, damn, what the fuck? And I'm thinking, like, something bad happened or, or you know, something happened or whatever. So I tell the people that I'm meeting, I'm like, yo, I got to go. I go to Dykeman. I meet her. I'm sitting in the car with her. And her eyes are mad puffy. I'm like, fuck, she's crying. I'm like, what the fuck did I do? Like, I'm trying to think. I'm like, shit. You know what I'm saying? At that point, we were, we, you know, we were together, but I was still in the streets. You know what I'm saying? I was still in the streets. So I'm like, fuck, man, what the fuck did I get caught doing? So now I'm nervous. I'm like, shit, man. So I see her eyes are mad puffy. I'm like, oh, you're mad. I did something. She's like, yo, um... I just want to let you know that, you know, I haven't gotten my period or whatever. I'm like, I'm looking at her, and she says, to this day, she says that my face, she's never seen my face ever again. Oh, my goodness. So, so I'm looking at her, like, with this blank stare, and she's like, and I was like, and I asked her, did you check if you were pregnant? She said, no, no, I am pregnant. Ooh, and I'm just man. looking at her, I'm like, like so I'm no like, <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, oh, so we got it. So I gave her a big hug, kiss. I started laughing. She was like, "Are you you sure?" And I'm like, "A hundred percent." I'm like, "Yo, we good." Mm. And then when she told me, it was in front of La Sala Seven Day, which I ended up buying uh, four months wow. after. Wow, that's so important. So it was in front of the space. It was in front of the space that became my first business. And I was mm. like, "Yo, this shit is crazy." Which my space wise is so special to me. Um, and yeah, was, and I was just the like, girl, your daughter was first born or your son? No, my, my, my boy, my baby boy. Yeah. He's 10 years old. How, that was 2007. How was that? Like the day he was born, what was like your thoughts? Oh, man, it was amazing, man. It was, uh, you know, I, you know I was, of course I was crying like crazy. I was, it was a roller coaster, man. It was, uh, cause I, one of the things I always said was that when I became a father, everything else was, of course, and it should be, everything else was secondary. And they had, to me, like, uh, there is an end goal for me to constantly keep working, keeping myself busy and staying creative, but there's nothing, I don't put business ever before my kids. Like, business can wait. Like, I, and everyone that's in, done business with me, I've canceled meetings where I've lost deals. Because it's, for me, it's about my kids. I, I had a great father, but I didn't have a good relationship with my father. 
Mm-hmm. Right? So not meaning that I had a bad relationship with him, but my father wasn't um my father was a real quiet man when he was sober. When he was drinking and out partying, he was the greatest man ever. But he wasn't he wasn't affectionate. He wasn't he, he was like one of them real military like, yo, be a man, do this, do that. And I was like, yo, and that's I'm a very not Caribbean thing. That's a very Caribbean thing. It's a very thing. Caribbean thing. Not very yeah. not very affectionate. Exactly. But then I one of the things I always taught myself from being a, just a kid. Like I always think about it. I've only asked my father for one thing my entire life. I never asked my dad for anything in life. I always knew to my mother, right? So I was like, yo, I I always said this from like the age of like sixteen, like yo, when I have kids, I will never have this father and son relationship. Like I need to be you know, I'm very I'm a very affectionate guy. I'm a very affectionate guy. I love hard, you know, I'm a Scorpio. Um <laughs> like we, we, we love hard, very affectionate, so I'm like that with my kids. So for my like my kids, man, is nonstop. There's nothing that comes first. It's, it's, I'm a father first, and everything else is secondary. And I remember just when I had my son, nobody saw me. Nobody saw me. He had to come to my crib to come see me. Everybody, like my friends, everybody was just like, yo, I was not out. I was with my kids or with my son all day. And, you know, to this day, my, my little right-hand guy right there. What kid. would you tell your daughter about men? Um, be honest, you know what I'm saying? Um, be honest because, from, you know, believe it or not, men have a certain insecurity when they're dealing with women. I don't care what man you're talking about, right? And they don't mean an insecurity within themselves. If you have a beautiful girl and you know what you have, it's, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. But... I mean, probably you guys can elaborate on this. I'm sure you've been in an argument or something where a man has told you or accused you of lying. Of course. Right? So, right? <laughs> and, and maybe you lied. Maybe you did lie or maybe it was the truth. But something within you and your relationship triggers that in him to accuse you or to ever be in that situation, right, whether it was... Mm-hmm caught lying or whatever and it's vice versa right because once a man gets caught lying it's rap you kind of lose that that pass forever with a woman so with women like you know you know just be honest there's nothing to lie about you know just be honest be as honest as possible um and just talk a lot communicate you know what i mean you know uh try to you know try to be a talker and really really get to know the person that you're going to be dealing with. You know, that's all I'm going to say to my woman, to my, to my, to my daughter. Because I was, I was kind of raised like that, right? Where my, my, I went to my father and my mother, like, yo, anything you ever want to do or try in life, you do it here. If you want to sell drugs, then come to the crib and we'll figure that out. You want to have a gun, bring the gun <laughs> to the crib. But don't do nothing. If you want to, you want right. to fucking do drugs, come to the house. You want to fuck girls or whatever, bring them here. I was always taught, to don't do shit in the streets like that. Like, mm-hmm. be honest with your parents, right? So with, with my kids, I kind of like raising them the same way. So for my daughter, I'm, I'm going to be doing the same thing. And for my son as well, like, you know, don't be in the streets disrespecting women. Or don't, you know, just don't disrespect women, period. Um, you know, again, be Disrespecting honest. Disrespecting women how, though? I well, like that's such a general... I'm not into, like, for me, 
one of the things that I regret doing, again, and it's like breaking the cycle, I don't need to be in the streets with somebody's daughter, grab her ass and kiss her on a corner and all that. That's not gentleman to me. I used to do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I was in the streets. That's not gentleman. Yeah. But again, we have to break that cycle, right, and raise our boys correctly. Like, yo, we can't, you can't be on somebody's border at 17, 18 years old, you know, grabbing her ass on a corner, cursing, arguing. You know, there's a time and place for all of that. Mm-hmm. Arguing in the streets with women. You Wait, know, how do you like feel that. about catcalling then? Oh, I'm not with that. I, I don't think I've ever done that shit in my life. I don't think I've ever catcalled a woman. I don't think any of that shit is successful. Like, I think that's just, like, just for a sport because it's, like, who gets married off that shit? Like, yeah, he hollered at me in a corner, and then ever since, that was I, it. Yeah. Like, nah, like, he... What did he say? I turned around. That was, that was it. That was the beginning of our fucking romantic love story. Yeah. First of all, you... I mean, it's like... It's like, what you're going to meet? Who are you going to meet? What gentleman, like, you're going to exactly. meet? Exactly. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It's like... Mm-hmm. You just... it's. What gentleman does that? You know what I mean? Like, grabs your hand while you're walking by, or like, what? <laughs> what? Like, nah, that's not. You're not gonna meet anyone. Have you ever had to check like somebody you were around? I mean, we we know you keep great people around you, but you ever been around guys that like, you know, would say oh. certain things that you ain't bump with? Uh, I'm from Dykeman, man. Born and raised. <laughs> over my life. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm a I'm an uptown kid, man. I, I mean, I saw it, but you know, I, I was, I was always a little different, man. You know, I was, I was fortunate to meet a lot of great girls early. So I was like, you know, I would date girls that, uh, that showed me, you know, I, I was always into older girls. So I was dating girls that were fucking, were into like house music and Soho and art gallery when I was 15, 16 years old. So I saw more than the average kid from Uptown. I was already in art galleries at 16 years old. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I was already in the LES at 16, 17 years old. You know, uh, uh, and then even, you know, it was always two crews on my block. You had the real hood crew. Then you had the kids that were downtown club kids and were known for being in clubs and hanging with girls and dressing polo down and with dope fly kids. I was always with them, you know what I'm saying? That was my brother and his older friends, and I was always around them, graffiti heads and art heads and so hip-hop heads. So, you know, I um, I was able to experience that at an early age. So I wasn't really one of those kids that was always on the corner. Or, or mm. I was a lot. Don't get it, you know, twisted. I was a lot. But I, I knew how to balance that. And then I was an athlete as well. I played high school ball, college ball. So, um my time was always, I was always occupied doing shit. Like, I wasn't, there wasn't really a lot of downtime for me as a kid. So that's that's, that's kind of like how I'm trying to raise my son as well, because it worked right. out for me. Like, I have right. a lot of time to fuck up, you know what I mean? How do you think keep a strong family bond in 2017 with, like, all these phones and distractions and everything? Um, I mean, again, it's just communication, man. It's, um, I think we've lost the art of communicating with one another where whether it's texting um we've 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 lost touch with feeling like a conversation hearing somebody's voice is fucking amazing compared mm-hmm. to like texting right you could you could tell me through text like nah chill how do i translate that nah chill right? like, yeah, yeah, nah, yeah, chill, yeah. or nah chill like 
You know what I'm saying? Like how? So the translation gets. So many text messages these days. You just be like, I wasn't even saying it like that. Actually, I was really chill about it when I said it. <laughs> you ready? Exactly. So now you're in your whole. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so now you're arguing about text messages and shit. Because you're hitting the nail on the head. That's so crazy. It's true. Yeah, it's so like it gets like, lost in translation. It gets lost in translation. So it's like if you are if if you're trying to have a discussion with your mother, with your wife, with your girlfriend, with your kids through text. Like really? Nah, like, that's, you losing right You gotta meet me at, at a cafe, boo. Like we gotta yeah. go sit somewhere and talk. Yeah. Or we gotta pick yeah. up that phone and talk. I need to see you. I need to feel you. So yeah. I'm, you know, I'm I'm 38 years old. I'm, I, I, you know, I, I'm glad I still have that those feelings. I I know what that is because I experienced it. So mm-hmm. it's kind of the things that I'm trying to teach my son. Like yo, um, if you feel like you have to text me, I'd rather you Facetime me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like. Right. FaceTime me. I want to see you. So if I'm telling you something and I'm telling you something that you don't agree with or I don't agree with, we're seeing each other and we're not mad at each other. It's understanding that one of us are upset or that mm-hmm. we're not happy with what we said. But now we're not just taking our phone and slamming it like it's right. the person. That's you know really strong like, communication. Yeah, yeah, that's really strong communication. You know, so it's like, yo, it's about just talking. And I think that, again, the... the, the just talking to one another is a lost art. Like, and I'm sure y'all experienced it on dates with guys now. A lot of my girlfriends be telling me, like, y'all be going on these dates with these kids, with these dudes, and it's like, there's nothing to talk about because we know each other through social media or whatever. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> it's like, so the... the, the I don't the, know. For me, it's different. I, anyone I encounter, everyone wants to just reminisce all day. And I think that's that's also another version of what you're saying where it's like, people are so desperate for holding on to like human type of emotions and expressions right. that like all we can do is talk about the good old days. We can't the really reference anything now, you know? Yeah, but you know what? We can, we can, because I mean, and I, I mean, I agree, but we can because I catch myself, you know, I, I employ a, a lot of females and I'll catch myself in conversations, just, you know, regular conversations with them. And like, I'll have a bar channel or a waitress of mine or whatever, or someone I'm just God damn, I have more conversation with you in this twenty minutes that I'll have a, on a date with a nigga that I've been seeing for a month. I'm just like, yo, are you serious? Like, how are you guys? Yo, and I'll ask like, how the hell are you dating these guys? And vice versa. Like, I have some of my boys. I'm like, yo, you gotta see how this shit is when you go to dinner with these girls and all this other shit. I'm just like, yo, cut up, man. But you know, I, I think I think I'm being the art of even thinking is is lost because your right. phone thinks for you. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's scary. Think about it. Think about a, a, a. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever dated. So I mean, I'm, I'm sure, but let's say someone you dated through social media, you're probably speaking about shit that from following each other. That's the conversation. That's it. That's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna say. To you. Like, <laughs> if you meet somebody off the internet, right? Like, if if I meet a guy off the internet, he'll probably think that I want to talk about fashion and fucking rap and other and I just feel like I don't want to I grew up with that shit I don't want to talk about Jay-Z's first album and fucking what do I talk about I don't think about stop talking to me about rap music and it's like that's yeah. that's how I know it's like I always tell guys that when I go out if a guy reads my nameplate and they they talk to me they're like hi Nicole and I was like oh you can read that's the first thing is like when a guy talks to me you know, from social mm-hmm. media, and they just talk to me about what they see me post. It's like, oh, you could read. I'm proud of you. Like, what, what are you? Yeah. You're not really getting to know me, though. 
you're just talking to me about right. what you think I like because you see me on social media. And it's like, yeah, it, yeah. it's funny because, like, the guy that I'm, I'm talking to now is, like, I've known him since I was 17. And, like, we have so much to talk about. And I realize that our bond is so much stronger because we've known each other. We've been each other's eyes. I know what he doesn't like, what he There's doesn't like. That's to talk about. time. Right, but that's such a yeah. time. Like, the other day we went to breakfast, and we, he's Dominican, I'm Puerto Rican. And we sat down talking about Dominican and Puerto Rican politics and just, like, our different, you know, our differences, our similarities, you know, being in this country. Mm-hmm. Being, mm-hmm. Me, I don't identify as American at all. He, I don't know, he kind of, like, teeters, and he's like, look, I just don't want people to shoot me. And I was like, I know, but I, I know. I'm very, like, military. real. Like, yeah, but it's, it's yeah. cool to just even sit down and be able to, like, I love that our that Sunday morning conversation wasn't about like Instagram or social media or anything stupid. It was really about something of substance. And him and I were just sitting at the table like, I appreciate the fact that you can mentally keep up with me. It's a lot of niggas I can't mentally keep up. And he was oh, like, no, surprised. No. A lot of girls. My, my shit is more like, word, my shit is more like, you know, going off of what people assume of what they see on social media. They assume somehow I'm kind of some kind of kumbaya all day, every day. And I realize I'm taking projects in East New York and <laughs> the other side of me. Like, I'm not like reading affirmations all day. But like, I got to text. You just want to text the affirmations all day to you. It's like, yeah, but, that, but that's what it is. Like, they I going. Like, yeah, but think about it. Think about it. You're talking about a generation that they only read headlines, they don't click the screen. Right. You know that's that's so. They see, yeah, they see terrible if they were to they, go off of what they see because we post what we're passionate about. So, like, that's but, terrible, but, but that's just not all that there is to us. You know, I, one of my homegirls was like, yo, you know, uh, you know, I'm dating. I'm having a hard time dating. I'm like, listen, because, again, very smart girl. And I'm like, listen, if you're dating anyone from the age of, let's say, 23 to, let's say, 32, Right. Oh, yes, I was gonna say yes, yeah, early thirty. Cause oh, let's good. say let's say even thirty. Let's push it to even thirty-five. Yeah. If you can't have two conversations with this person, whether it's technology, right? Mm-hmm. Technology, mm-hmm. and let's say, uh, let's say political, then mm-hmm. mm-hmm. then then you're in trouble. And I'm going to tell you why. Political conversations right now are the most open they've ever been. Yeah. Back in the days, people didn't speak politics. It just wasn't the thing to do. Now, people speak politics openly, right, because of all the fuckery that we deal with and we've been dealing with the last couple of years or whatever. And this is not only in the United States, it's worldwide. Mm-hmm. So, and then technology has been the way of life for the last 15, 20 years. So if you're dealing with a nigga or a girl that don't know neither, which is basically running the day-to-day shit of your life, then what the fuck do you know? Right, right. Like, and not even that, how can you hold a combo? How can you... Not I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. What you just read, how can you opinionate? How can yo, you tell me your point of view of it? I'm like, yo, dude, if you can't have a conversation on technology, you lost right now. Right. Like, right. Because mm-hmm. where, where have you been? Because right. if you're still telling me that you that you're trying to find a job at a factory, you're going to college to become a a fucking whatever, it's like yo, bro, you better start learning how to code. Mm-hmm. Because office jobs are not going to exist. But you don't see all the machines that the banks have and all that. Humans are not going to be needed. So you're trying to 
You're going to school and trying to get a master's on a job that probably won't even exist in 10 years. That is terrifying. That's what happens when you're like, nah, niggas can't eliminate me. I'm not the middleman. Like, I gotta... I gotta <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, it's like, yo, know, if you're 23, 24, 25, and you can't speak on technology, which is what's, what the world runs on, then we have a problem. Right? We, we're already going to sit here and talk pop culture, uh, pop culture shit. Mm. Then, uh, I don't know. This, this is probably not going to go too far because there's only so much fucking gossip we could talk about. That shit irks me. Like, I don't understand when people talk about, like, Kim Kardashian, Khloe Kardashian, and are like, oh, you know, J-Lo got cheated on. Nigga, I don't know. I'm not in her life. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know a I don't know that nigga. Like, I'm, I know Nikki, and I'm not over there. I'm not my motherfucking business. And, like, she don't pay her mind. shit is like, you know about their relationship status, but have you called your mom? Exactly. You know how your right. mom feels? Does she need help? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. can we focus on the right things? Like, right. that's what frustrates me the most. Correct. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it's scary times, but, you know, one of the things we can't do, we can't dwell, we can't, we gotta keep, you know, especially as Latinos, that we gotta work hard, I mean, and it's it's crazy as it sounds, but I feel like, like, we gotta work harder than anybody, we gotta prove ourselves double, um, and it's scary because we're the fastest growing market in the last, think about it like this, we've been the fastest growing market for the last 10, 15 years, and they still don't know what to do with us. They still don't know how to market to us. That's kind of scary. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah, kind yeah. of scary. You know, but I mean, we know how to market to each other, and I, I feel like... Exactly, but we're not being smarter. hired to do that. We're not right. being hired to do that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Which is the fucked up part. I'll go into My meetings like, has... with people like Verizon, and they'll be like, yo, tell us how we can do this. I'm like, yo, first of all, you got to hire me. I don't just come right. around. I'm not... I'm not right. I'm not a fucking coon. Like, you're just not going to have me here giving all this information. So hire me, and then we can figure that out from there. But they don't. My they boy don't. works at this really great advertising company, and his boss is white. And he was like, yo, like, why don't you think that, you know, more people like you, not to be offensive, he's Latino, he was like, more people like you come and work here. And he was like, because they don't know that they could do it. They just don't know. They think right. that they have to go do something else. And... Like, I just knew that I didn't have to do something else. I knew I could do this, you know? Yeah. yeah it's scary. I mean, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get no, poco Yeah, we'll get there. It's turtles. I'm just, turtles. But I'm, I know we kind of, like, we kind of, like, skipped a little, little bit. I was still really, really, like, I admire, you know, how open you are with the things that you work on, but also your family life. And I think that, you know, like that saying where that for every great man is a great woman behind it. I'm just curious, like, how do you manage to, like, keep the communication between you and your it's, kids' mom? It's, it's tough. You know what I'm saying? It's tough. Um, again, we have... We do you, have, do you ever refer to her as your baby mama? Like, well, what are the terms? What are these titles that... Have you ever joked around, like, is that your baby mom, your kids' mom? No, nah, no, nah, I introduced I introduce her as my wife. Although I'm not married, I've never been married, I don't... I'm not, I don't really, I mean, I don't really do the religion thing. Um, I, I don't know if I'll ever get married. I don't think that's ever been something I've ever thought about, honestly. Um, I think she has, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of fucked up on my part being um, with my beliefs and shit. But I, I still introduce her as I still, you know. But it's like we have bumps and bruises, you know what I'm saying? Like every other, mm-hmm. we had to learn, you know what I'm saying? Especially when you're with someone from a young age, um, 
people change, you know, people outgrow each other. So you got to figure out how to, you know, how to get back on track and figure out and kind of like reinvent yourselves and kind of like reintroduce yourselves to each other because wow. people change. Yeah, people change. You know what I mean? I could be, especially for what I do and what she does, you know, she's a full-time teacher. She's been teaching since she was 21. She was already teaching. She graduated school very early. Yeah, she's been teaching since she was 21. Um, and I've been in business pretty much all my life, right? So my my day-to-day, my the people that I'm dealing with, my world, she will never get to meet or understand or ever. Her brain couldn't go that far because she's not part of my world. Just like I can't go into her world, right, teaching. You know, I don't know what that day-to-day is like. You can tell me. We can speak on it. We can try and explain. But for me, doing what I do day-to-day, I'm constantly growing because I'm constantly meeting people from different walks of life, different levels, you know. So me as a human, as a man, I'm growing in a certain way that it has nothing to do with me and my relationship. So I can change. There's things that are going to change about me. Same thing with her, vice versa. So it's about figuring out when when you sense those changes. And again, back to communication and being open about um and just being honest with each other, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I think that 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 took a while. That took a very long time. Um, and, and knowing that we we have an end goal, and it's to to raise the best fucking kids to possibly raise. Right. And, and, and kind of, you know, one thing for me, man, is I'm very, and I've mentioned this so many times, probably tonight. Um, I'm 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 more about the we got to break the cycle. You know what I'm saying? We can't. We gotta chill with the single parent households. We gotta chill yeah. with that. We we gotta yeah. we gotta we gotta raise kings and queens. You know what I mean? We gotta start raising kids right. And again, that's a goal for us. That's an end goal for us. Like yo, we were, we both came from single parent households. Wow. Right. So so it's like yo, we have to break this cycle. We gotta figure this out. Our parents gave up. You know what I'm saying? They gave up, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Can't, we can't give on up. On each other or on their kids? Um, well, I think that when you when a household divides, um, and, and, you know, there's separation in the household, I don't think you're necessarily giving up on the kids. Obviously, you, you hope that the parents are still involved. But is it the same? Like, right. relationships change. No matter how still involved, Think about it like this. I kiss, I'm, I have the privilege to kiss my daughter every night or my son every day, right? Every day or every morning. Let's say I kiss them seven days a week. Now I'm only kissing them two days a week. I'm hugging right. them one day a week. Mm-hmm. I'm having a laugh with them one day a week, two days a week. Feelings change. People grow. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's, you know what I mean? So... I think that regardless whether when there's separation, there's separation. There's a, people get affected by that shit. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, so uh, one of the things that we we always were big on, you know, we got to break that cycle. We got to, you know, especially as she's Puerto Rican, I'm Dominican. Um, we got we got to break that cycle as Latinos. Guys. We got to yeah. we got to be there for our kiddies and raise kings and queens. So you know, we 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 fight hard, man. We fight hard for what we have. Uh, there's always mistakes, but again, we're, you know, we're human. There's always arguments, but there's less arguing and more talking. You know what I mean? And more mm-hmm. communication. Like, listen, 
we're already too old to be fucking yelling at each other. Come on. What's one thing that people will be surprised though about you to know about you? I don't think a lot of people know that I'm a vegetarian. Yeah, I was right. We're Hello Brooklyn. <laughs> I know. Yeah, <laughs> I was just there on Sunday. I was like, yo. Yeah, I've been a vegetarian for 14 years. That's crazy. Yeah. What made you want to? People be like, what made you want to? Oh, I'm just more conscious. Yeah, you know when I was doing the music thing, one of my artists was a five percenter. Yeah, he was a five percenter, and uh, he was very health conscious. And he used to always tell me like, "Yo, you don't eat well." You know what I mean? And it was I had to eat. I, I was I was a big muscle hacker. I was a football player, so I was real like these when I used to eat a, like a motherfucker to stay in, within my calorie range while I was working out and shit. And he used to always tell me, "Oh, you're not eating right, man. You're not healthy." You know what I'm saying? You you uh, you're not taking care of yourself, especially with all these long nights that you're putting in. You know, as much as you think you're working out, I can guarantee you your heart is not right. Because um, you, you sleep in only two or three hours. You're working out. You're working so much. And he was right. I went to the doctor to get a physical. And the doctor was like, yo, your blood pressure and shit is all fucked up. Mm-mm. So, yeah, so it was like, yo. And I wasn't really big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what's crazy? I wasn't really big. I wasn't big on meat like that. I mean, I ate it. You know, I wasn't really big on meat like that. So it wasn't hard. I did a cold turkey. I gave I gave up one day to the next. And then after I quit eating meat, I went three months without eating meat. And then one day at my brother's crib, I flipped and I had a burger. With, and I was only three months as a veg. And I didn't like the way this burger tastes. And I was like, yo, nah, I think I'm really done with meat. And, man, in February that just passed, uh, February, you know, March, sorry, March, I uh, I just completed 14 years. And I'm like, yeah. man. I think a lot of people don't know that about me because I, I own a fucking burger bar, pizzeria, bars, <laughs> all this other crazy shit. So they're like, you a fat? Like, like, what? Fuck you through the set of burgers. Do you have any rituals that help you to balance being a dad, being a creative, you know, having a relationship or, you know, doing what you do in your personal life? I do, I do, I do. I, uh, I... I try to read a chapter of a book every single day, and it don't have to be the same book. It could be a book that I've never picked up in my life. It could be chapter 10 in the book. I do that on the regular. Okay. I could pick up I could pick up a random book, um, and I could just read one chapter of it. It don't have to be chapter one, two, three. I'll open it up, whatever chapter I land on, I'll read that chapter, and I'll close it. That, that gives me I do that every morning. So when I wake up, I'll have my espresso. You know, some people pick up newspapers and all of that. I, I'll pick up a random book from my collection and I'll read a chapter. I'll, I'll try you to read five chapter. books just to read one chapter. <laughs> no, no, I, no. I eventually, <laughs> no, I eventually finish these books. I'll, you know, I've read, you know, I'll, I put it like this, and I can fucking show you. Yesterday at four in the morning, I just ordered eleven new books. <laughs> no. I, I can literally read them to you, which books I just ordered too, because I'm getting the Amazon emails as we speak <laughs> that they were shipped. Please let us know. I'm serious. I'm such a bookworm. I love yeah, it so much. I'll tell you right now. So uh, let's see. Uh, one of the books is, so this one is called Zero to One. Uh, hold up. I lost... Um, The Power of Habit. Mm. 
was just shit. How to win friends and influence people. That's the favorite. Yeah. Yeah. The four hour work week. I just ordered that. Mm, Okay. Uh, Hold on. I ordered the seven habits of highly. It doesn't tell me the rest of the name. How do you affect people? Thanks. Yeah, Yeah, I'm reading it through the Amazon shipping. I'm like, I'm not a book learner. Highly affected people. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, what else, what else, what else just came from my Amazon? I think that's it. I'm waiting for the other books. I know there was like four more. And I, I also, I, I how, know does that fact, keep, I, uh, how does that keep you balanced, though? Between you it keeps and me at peace. I, so I used to meditate. I, I was studying Buddhism for some time. So I used to meditate a lot, oh, but I don't have time for it. Yeah. Talk about yeah, something yeah. surprising. Nobody would ever guess that. I know I wouldn't have guessed that. Really? Yeah, if you go back to my early IG, there's a lot of Buddhist shit on it. <laughs> I was really, I was really going to temples and meditating and all that shit. Oh my god! But uh, yeah, I uh, I lost touch and I was uh, again, I was I was so busy, which I I should be meditating, but form of med- there's different forms of meditation. Reading is a form of meditation. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I've learned that when I wake up, instead of having my mind wandering all over the place with things that I have to do. You gotta find a way to kind of your brain needs to be at peace and relaxed in order for you to think. So I've learned that in the mornings when I read, um, it relaxes me. So once I'm done reading, I'm able to gather myself and go, okay, now what I gotta do is to set my day, and I'll go through my emails and stuff like that. Um, so can I ask you something real quick? Because there's a well, I've read that a lot of really successful people don't look at their phones first thing in the morning, and I've spoken to other people in the past about it. And I try to practice it as much as I can, but it's difficult because, you know, you run a business and you're just like, what happened today? Or let me check on this. And then let me make sure this order went through or whatever. And it's really that hard. They don't, not that, they don't check, that they don't check their phones? They, they don't check their phones for the first, like, I think, like 20, 30 minutes for the day. Well, no, I do. I do. I do because like I, 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 I mean, um, probably, yeah, because it's on my night table. Right. Yeah, because with me, as I mean, as you guys see, I'm very hands-on on social media. Yeah, although I'm not on it, but when I'm, like, if you ask me a question, I'm going to answer you back. I don't care who it is, whether I know you, nah, I, I'm going to answer you. I'm going to reply. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be something, whether it's business-related, advice. I'll, I try to get to every question or advice or uh, like I can connect people as much as possible, right? And and, I've, and people speak well of me because of that. Like, people that, mm-hmm. oh, I've never met them, but I've spoken to them through social media. I've asked them for advice on some business shit. And I'm big on that. So I'll go to, like, my DMs. I'll go to my inbox. I'll go to, like, my, my Twitter. And I'll see if anybody hit me up, right? And if they did, if I could get back, if I could get back to them right there and then, I would, you know, I do. Um, and mm-hmm. then... Uh, my emails, I don't check on my phone. I have a problem with reading emails to my phone. It's kind of like I need to be relaxed when I'm reading emails. So when I need to write back, I'm not a good writer, so I have to take my time when I write back. Mm-hmm. Um, with like, especially like if I'm writing out like a business email, I'll take my time. So I have to be in front of a computer to do that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll, that the emails I'll do when I'm having my coffee and shit like that. Mm-hmm. But my phone, yeah, I do. I do check my phone definitely. Yeah, I just try to stay away from social media for the first. Like anything that overstimulates in a way that's distracting, 
I found myself, especially that social media has taken away a lot of my creativity when I'm engaging in it all day. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, I just can't because I'm my answer. You're constantly seeing nonsense and, and dumb comments and just stupidity. So it's like, yo, I, I can't, I can't, can't be around that all day or see that all day because it's going to rub off. You know what I'm saying? It's going to rub off. Yeah, no. And this is our final question. Um, What keeps you inspired? Because you have two restaurants and you're very busy. You have parties. Um, You do greatest day ever. We didn't talk about that, but there's a lot of stuff that you do and we just want to know what keeps you inspired. You do basketball with your son on Saturday. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, Gomeo, how does that I do basketball with my son every day, actually. I was just training with him earlier today. Um, I'm with my son every day. My, my son only gets like one day off of basketball. So, I mean, um, how do I stay inspired? You know, I have I, I battle with that. You know what I'm saying? I, I do. If I tell you that this is what inspires me, I'll, I'll be lying. I do battle mm-hmm. with that. And I, I speak to, like, my friends about this. Like, I speak to Tony about that a lot. For a lot of I'm always like, yo, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. And I, I've looked at other Scorpios and other business people that um, fall in line with, with what I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm con- I feel like at times I'm constantly chasing something, which mm-hmm. I shouldn't. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I battled with that. Um, and it's funny because for me, it's not finance. It's never been money for me. Like, I, it's never, ever been about money. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know for a fact it's not that. Um, so like for now, what I, what I'm trying to do is just take one day at a time, you know, and, and try to do as much as possible within that day, try to get done as much as I can. But I try to look for this, for inspiration through my kids, right? So mm-hmm. I try to have these conversations with my son because the purest, there's nothing more pure than speaking to a child. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing more honest. There's nothing more pure than hearing a child speak or them giving you advice or that. So I try to speak to my kids a lot and um, try to see what inspires them and see mm-hmm. what kind of makes them happy or what, what goes through their brain on a day-to-day basis. And just hearing them and seeing what makes them happy, that keeps me wanting to keep going because I know that what I'm doing is hopefully inspiring them. So mm-hmm. I think that uh, like, my son is with me a lot. My son is with me, like, a lot. My son is with me maybe six days a week on a regular basis. Um, when I'm in meetings, my son has sat down in meetings with, like, corporate big meetings. My son has sat in with me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wanted to see what his father does because I know that he must think, like, damn, I know he owns two businesses, but he's really never in these two fucking businesses. What else does he do? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I want him to see what my day-to-day is. I'm in meetings. I'm, I'm trying to break deals and shit like that. So um, also, again, hearing him speak, that keeps me going, knowing that what I'm doing is inspiring him. But there's not um, one single project. There's not one single thing that is a big goal for me, to be honest. Like, I just want to my, – my thing right now is I just want to be the best fucking father ever. Like, I just want to keep writing for my kids. Um, yeah. and just keep, you know, I don't ever want to miss a basketball game. I don't ever want to miss a dance recital. I don't ever want to, you know, miss a day from them waking up to take them to school. Like, I just want to be that. And that's inspiring for me to continue doing what I do. 
Um, this is the, running businesses and events. That shit is easy for me. As mm-hmm. and I want to, I want to make sure I say that in the most humblest way ever. Like uh, saying that in a very humble way, but that shit is very easy to me. That's not, that's not something that I put a lot of thought into. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, again, uh, I've been around creatives and being creative for a long time now and, and kind of creating shit. So that's never really been that hard for me. The hard part is, um, is, is I think the hardest part of it all is managing it all. You know what I mean? Right. I think that's the hard part. But the, while I'm doing it all that, I don't think that's, that's, that's never really been an issue for me. So, you know, again, it's something that I battle with and something I'm constantly trying to figure out. Like, Man, can I see myself doing this for the next 10, 15 years? I don't know. Like, what's going to drive me? So I'm constantly looking. Because the one thing that I was really, really passionate about, it didn't work for me. And it was, uh, I used to play football. So it was like, yo, mm-hmm. after football, I don't think I ever was really, uh, really, really in love, in love with anything that I did. But, I mean, I love what I do. I mean, it's just a business has been, I've read in, from my uh, kindergarten, you know that little green book? I might be too old. Yeah, I don't know what this is, but they used to give this green, <laughs> yeah, they used to give this little green book in kindergarten, and in the first page you had to write uh, what you wanted to be, what high school you wanted to go to, what college you wanted to go to, and shit like that. And everything on that page I pretty much accomplished except going to Miami University. But mm-hmm. I wrote on the page that I wanted to be a father, I wanted to be a businessman, I wanted to go to John F. Kennedy High School, and I wanted to eventually buy a home. All that I've already accomplished. So it's like. You know, I always know what I wanted to do with myself when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So it's never really been too difficult for me to, like, you know. Yeah. Wow, me, me saying that and hearing me speak it, I'm thinking, like, damn. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing myself think. You're like, I did that. <laughs> that was me. I did yeah. that. I did that. Yeah. And look where I'm at. Look what's so important to me that you, you can hear the difference between when you're telling something that happened and then something that you're really passionate about. And it, Yeah. It's, it's really beautiful that you can be that honest and transparent with us um, about something like this. And to be honest, these type of conversations are so, so special, especially are. from a Latina woman to hear a man, a real man, you know, talk about your life experiences and hearing your priorities. It's like, yeah. to me, that's like, that's gems alone, like, guys. Thank yeah, you well, so thank much you for because No, I want to thank you guys because, I, I mean, I, I was texting, like, yeah, I'm gonna be late. Sure, I have a, we have a party tonight. I'm gonna be late over there. But I only wanted to do 20. But as we started talking more, I started hearing myself. I'm like, wait, wait, I need this right now because it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know what I'm saying? Because you could think so much shit, but then when you you know when you say it, is when it kind of like all makes sense. So yeah. me, it's like again, I'm, I'm hearing myself think, and it kind of like this was good. So this was really good. One, two, three. Man.